Jar Jar. Jar Jar, please. Oh, he's so sorry, Master and Mace. I'm just worried about the Queenie. I understand your fears, and I am trying to help you. But for now, keep your mind focused on the task at hand. That is the best way you can help your friend. Why say you thinking they want Queenie so badly? As the spiritual leader of her people, the living force inside the Queen must be very powerful. Whoever the Great Mother is, she wants that power. Well, we shall not let them have Queenie's force. No, we will not. When we get to the temple, I'll handle the guards and whatever evil we find. You focus on the Queen. And we said good guys will triumph. Right, Master and Mace? Yes. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Jar Jar and Mace Windu are hot on the heels of the Frangle cult. They pursue the cult to Zardasa Styx, where they find that the cult has planned to absorb and transfer Queen Julia's life force to the villainous Mother Talzin. Will Jar Jar and Mace Windu be able to stop the cult's plan and save Queen Julia? Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie. I'm my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the mace to my Jar Jar. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the 117th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Jonathan W. Rinsler and directed by Bosco Ng. It's Season 6, Episode 9, The Disappeared, colon, PT dot II. So, Robbie, oh wait, that's The Disappeared Part 2, Robbie. That's how you read that. Right. How about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about The Disappeared Part 2 before you rewatch it again this week? Well, I just remembered Mother Talzin coming back. That's the main thing I remembered. Of course, you know, we get a lot of Mace Windu action and Jar Jar causing havoc, but those are the major points that I remembered, and turns out that's pretty much the episode. I mean, it's just almost all action, this one. So I pretty much remembered it exactly the way it went down. Well, that action starts with the fish-like ship of Mace and Jar Jar launching from Bardotta, and then the insect-like ship of the queen kidnapping cult leader landing on the moon Zardosa sticks where the cult leader and a bunch of other cultists unload the queen and talk about sacrificing Queen Julia and transferring all the living force energy they had stored up in their force fair to the great mother whoever that is Robbie <laughs> so they roll out into the city and shortly after that Mace and Jar Jar land and they also roll out into the city after Mace first performs a force scan on the city in order to determine the location of the force sphere and before you can shout mal morale the chase is on with jar jar in pursuit of the queen and mace in pursuit of jar jar and then there's jar jar in pursuit of the queen and mace in pursuit of wasting fools and so in this first half of the episode i noted that in the previous episode was Jar Jar who exercised patience while Mace rushed in. And now here in this episode, their roles are reversed. When Mace is doing his force scan, he's counseling Jar Jar to be patient. And so from the differences between the two episodes here, I think we can deduce that the Queen has a calming influence on Jar Jar. Because in the previous episode, when he was with the Queen, he was calm. Now he's not with the Queen, he's panicked. And Jar Jar himself has a calming influence on Mace. Because in the previous episode, Mace just wanted to be with Jar Jar. Now that he's with Jar Jar, he can be very patient. Does that seem like a... 
Is there anything there, Robbie? I, I mean, or am I reaching? I, you, you might have a point there. I would say Jar Jar goes back to normal. You know what I mean? And, and but I think you you might have a point there. I don't know if Jar Jar really has that much of an effect on Mace, to be honest. But no, I get you. I get you. And another note here I have is that just as the previous episode was very Indiana Jonesy, here we get Mace and Jar Jar moving through a city and a market square in particular that just may bring to mind a similarly Indiana Jonesy vibe and I really dug the depth with which they realized this city and in fact it's so impressively detailed that I'm even a little sad that we don't get to spend more time there just the amount of life that they put into that city as they move through it with Charger or even going inside a house at a point or was it a restaurant I didn't even know what it is I gotta go back and look at it because they moved through it so fast but it seemed very richly realized and richly detailed and the third note I've got in this section is that I've been a little tough on Mace at times during the show what with him being such a humorless sourpuss but I've always given him props for his skills as a warrior and in this first half of the episode we see him leaping up tall buildings we see him kung fu fighting we see him dropping from above to take out heavy machine guns and in a scene which calls to mind luke versus the rancor return of the jelly we see mace make fairly easy work of two gun darks so it is a very action heavy episode robbie and i really like the action in this first half Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's one of the things I noted in the previous episode too is that it didn't seem like Mace was using his lightsaber to kill. He was mostly doing it to disarm and to kind of deflect attacks and things like that. He wasn't striking people down. He wasn't doing anything. The only time he really does that is when he takes out that Gundark when he finally gets his lightsaber back. So I don't know if that's surprising to me really because I feel like that's kind of what the Jedi are supposed to do but for some reason I had it in my head that Mace Windu is a little less scrupulous (laughs) when it comes to uh, attacking with his lightsaber but maybe I'm just thinking of all the droids that he fought in that one episode with the bridge and I can't remember the names they all bleed together for me Liberty on Ryloth I believe it was Robbie well there you go see you're yeah see I'm just not good at that I just, I, well, just never I have to write them all down and write a whole bunch of notes on all of them and then I have to label all the episodes and everything so <laughs> because I do all the administrative side of things that's why it sticks it's not because I have a better memory it's definitely not because I'm more intelligent it's just because of repetition oh well then there you go the one thing about this whole f- I guess this first section the part that made me laugh the most is when Jar Jar is trying to explain what happened to Mace Windu in the ship and for some reason the way he was describing things so simply, it just made me laugh. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was uh, Ahmed Best's delivery, but I just really got a kick out of it. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, everything with Jar Jar in the first half of this episode is fun to me, just like it was in the previous episode. And spoiler, just like it is in the second half of the episode, which opens with our favorite odd couple, Mason Jar Jar, launching once again, this time not in their fish-like spaceship, this time on the back of a Delgo and an EOP, respectively. And I'm sure that I've pronounced those 100% correctly. And then we get the great mother landing on Zardosa sticks. And of course, it's none other than mother tells in herself. And she lets us know that she doesn't have a natural connection to the force like the Jedi or the Sith do. And that she instead uses dark magic. But she also lets us know that when she steals Queen Julia's spirit, Mother Talzin will become more powerful than any of those puny Sith 
or Jedi. So after Mace and Jar Jar fight their way into the temple by taking out these pesky stone guardians, Mother Talzin builds herself a custom green lightsaber out of thin air. I thought that was pretty sweet. And then she goes head to head with Mace while Jar Jar takes on the temple guards using the massive ray gun that he had earlier liberated from one of the stone guardians. And then Jar Jar saves his Bay Julia just in time for the planets to align and just in time for Jar Jar's Bay Queen Julia to save him as a blast of energy rips through the staff of the I mean the lenses of Talzin really kind of ruining <laughs> the cult leader's day in the process especially since Jar Jar then heroically destroys the sphere which proceeds to go kaboom in a massive green ball of energy a massive green explosion which in turn interrupts Mace and Mother Talzin's tango after which Mother Talzin fades away into magic green mystical mist and I choose to interpret that as her surviving she doesn't seem happy about it but I choose not to believe that Mother Talzin is gone because I don't want to believe that we live in a universe where Mother Talzin can't turn up again so next we get Queen Julia announcing that in light of Mace's efforts to assist her Bay Jar Jar in saving her and in vanquishing the Frangle cult she will begin to rethink her attitude toward the Jedi and my notes on this part of the episode Jar Jar is such a natural friend of the animals that he rides his EOP effortlessly Robbie zero stirrups zero reins he's basically just sitting there with his arms folded or his hands on his knees his balance is so perfect on that EOP which is has a weird running motion the way it's sort of head rotates if you watch it from the front as it rotates as it's running it's so funny to watch it run another note i've got here is that mother tells and follows the rules of the villains guild by explaining everything to her captive queen julia even though she has no reason to a third note i've got <laughs> when mace and jar jar fight the stone guardians the soundtrack goes all river dancey i don't know if you noticed that but it's like these violins start playing or some string riffs start playing it feels like a river dance section i thought it sounded cool and i thought it fit that was just a, something that i don't think we've heard before on the score of the show uh fourth note i've got here mother tells in a slightly transparent at various points in the episode that was something surprising i don't know if she habitually becomes slightly transparent i just haven't noted it but i did in this episode and the final note after hearing about how the badotans had a force connection and seeing queen julia doing tai chi in part one I was hoping we would maybe see some spinning kicks from her at some point because she's got a force connection and she's practicing martial arts and meditation. I figured she might be able to whoop some butt. Unfortunately, that was not to be. And if there's a major strike I've got against the episode, it's that she's just pretty much helpless the whole time when I was maybe expecting her to be a little bit more of a, of a butt kicker. But aside from that, the second half of the episode was a ton of fun, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, I would say my biggest complaint, I guess, is that, and this this seems to happen a lot in some of these episodes, there doesn't seem to be any time for wrap-up. And I, I kind of would have liked to have seen them all return to Bardotta and, and kind of see, I guess, the acceptance, instead of the Queen just saying, oh, you know, maybe we'll rethink things. It would have been nice to see the actual action of them accepting the Jedi. Of course, as we all know, we're just probably a few short days, weeks, months, I'm not sure how long, from Order 66 happening, so a lot of good this might do, but it's still one of those things that I feel like could have been shown, you know what I mean, instead of just kind of talked about. Sure. But, um, yeah, my, I mean, my big notes here, pretty much the, the whole episode, Jar Jar is once again sort of accidentally doing things that turn out well, you know, just trying to save himself. 
helps Mace Windu with the Stone Guardians. I mean, he does take one out, which is pretty helpful. And when he jumps up onto the platform with his gun, that's not accidental. He has this massive ray gun, and he knows what he has to do to save his bay. Right. And he jumps up on that platform, and he blasts the heck out of those temple guards with that massive gun. Man, I love that massive gun, Robbie. What is it about massive guns? It's probably not a good thing to admit. I mean, there's reasons not to enjoy massive guns, but, you know, in this cartoon where it's a massive cartoony ray gun, I just thought that was fun. I mean, just just like the part earlier, you know, he trips on Mace Windu or collides right. with him or whatever. He drops his saber and then the gun dart trainer grabs that. So it's almost like the trouble happens because Jar Jar is, is clumsy, but then sometimes his clumsiness helps out. Hey, that clothesline, when he clotheslines that trainer, that is Jar Jar <laughs> in full pro wrestling effect. And that was a sweet move. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I just want to make sure we give Jar Jar credit because he does do good things on purpose in this episode, as well as, I mean, knocking over the sphere and destroying the sphere. That's another accident thing. So <laughs> part of Jar Jar's superpowers is his forced clumsiness, but he also does good things, you know, on purpose. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, no question. I'm just saying that I just think it's funny that a lot of the things that happen are because Jar Jar trips on something or collides with something or bumps into something i don't know that actually bumping into the stone guardians kind of reminded me of uh temple of doom right you know when short round bumps up against that thing well i don't know i just there is a lot of indiana jones-ish sort of callbacks or not not callbacks even just kind of homages yeah they're like borrowing little moments here and there you know just like the market you said earlier you know it's just kind of funny well, even the end, even though you're not a fan of it, it's basically the end of The Last Crusade, right? Jim just writing off at the end, you know, not writing back to Bardotta to have any, uh, do any politics like you wish they had done. <laughs> they just write off into the well, desert. Well, not politics, but you know what I mean. No, I get you. But it's one of those things that's even listed in the trivia. Apparently that was written in the script. They write off like The Last Crusade. Right. It's a fun episode for sure. And then, uh, what was the other thing that I, uh, oh, Mother Talzin. I had a note uh, about this that, yeah, I actually had to look it up because I wasn't sure what that meant. I thought that it meant that she kind of goes on to do something else, but I was like, "Is that's not her demise, right? And then I looked it up and, yeah, sure enough, it is it is not. It is not. Now, you know, I'm just a little bit of spoiler alert. Yeah, she doesn't really show up in the rest of the Clone Wars Season 6, but who knows what happens in the future. I mean, I have no idea. Sure. But yeah, you were right to believe that you know, maybe she wasn't completely done. That is great news, Robbie. And speaking of great things, what was your standout shot of The Disappeared Part 2? You know, there was a lot of shots that I really kind of enjoyed. Simple things, you know, just little moments that I thought were cool. But I think my favorite one was, I just really liked the look of that, I guess that lens system right. with the planets in the background. There were just so many shots of that. And I think the one that kind of got me was you had Mother Talzin on the right-hand side. And then I think you had one of the, I can't even remember who was on the left-hand side. I think it was, I don't know what you call them, the cult leader yeah i guess so yeah the frangle cult leader yeah and it's just the way that it was framed it was just a cool looking shot so i think that was my favorite one my standout shot is at right at the end there on the temple platform after the bad guys are beaten and queen julia and mace have pledged to forge stronger ties between the jedi and the bardons jaja wonderful wonderful jaja cups his hands and he throws back his head <laughs> and he calls out to his faithful eop and to mace's Delgo. And this is not the most spectacularly composed shot in the episode, but it is the shot that made me the happiest in the episode, especially since it's accompanied by Jar Jar's beautiful and melodious <laughs> calls. And I don't want to finish this episode without highlighting 
both the sounds that Jar Jar makes in this part of the episode and also when he and Mace are riding <laughs> at first and he seems to be he's flustered maybe Ooh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and those sounds made me so happy and so I was happy that they came back here at the end after Mace calmed them out of him earlier in the episode and here of course they're sort of calls of triumph because he's going to be soon riding his EOP again and may as well be riding his Delga and they'll be riding off into the desert just like the last crusade and so before we bring this one in for a landing Robbie we need to sum up and give our ratings so after your latest watch of the disappeared part two how did you like it and where does the disappeared part two sit on that four star Robbie scale you know this one's a tough one for me because I actually enjoyed the previous episode more so I, I feel like I kind of have to give it less than what I would, you know, what I usually do for like a recommended. So I kind of feel like this one's a 2.75 out of 4. I've got this at 7 evil cultist temple guards blasted by Jar Jar with a massive stone guardian cannon out of 10. Just because it's a fun romp. I love Jar Jar and Mace together so much. I enjoyed that Zardosan city. I agree with you that I enjoyed it a little bit less in the previous episode and I gave that one an 8. So that checks out as well. And... I thought that the revelation about how Mother Talzin works was worth me kicking it up from a 6 to a 7 because uh, it wasn't just an all-action episode. I also learned a little bit of something about someone. And I do believe that this is mission accomplished for Season 6, Episode 9, The Disappeared Part 2. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to get back to us about The Disappeared, about Mace, about Jar Jar, about Mother Talzin, how can they reach us? Well, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 118th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 6, Episode 10, The Last One. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. The Force will be with you, always. I saw the witch when I looked into the force. Jar Jar, I wanted to tell you. I knew you would stop her. You should be thanking Master and Mace. Jedi Master, I owe you my life. It is my privilege to serve you, Queen Julia. Perhaps this is a new beginning for the Bardotans and the Jedi. Perhaps. Perhaps.